1: Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again
0: made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, another pseudo-event in America today, ladies and gentlemen. i Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877 381 3811, Democrats on the attack, Republicans running in every direction. The word lynching. And we are told the word lynching, the word lynch can only be used in the context of the horrific lynchings that took place during the course of slavery and even after the Civil War, and frankly, even into the last century down south by the Klan and other organizations. Horrific. Because the President of the United States said that he is being lynched or facing a lynching. Well, when Bill Clinton was facing impeachment, a number of Democrats went to the microphones on the floor of the House and said that Bill Clinton was facing a leeching, including Gregory Meeks, African American representative, Democrat from New York, December 1988, cut to go.
2: What we are doing or what we are doing here is not a prosecution, it's a persecution, and indeed it is a political lynching. The Republicans have have had no agenda for over a year, and with this act today, they are signaling that they have no agenda for the future.
0: Representative Danny Davis, former member of the House, Democrat, Illinois, December 1998, African American, cut three, go. So I will not
1: vote for this nightmare before Christmas. I will not vote for this lynching in the People's House. I will vote against these resolutions.
0: Jim McDermott, Caucasian-American, Democrat, Washington State, on the floor of the House, September 1998, cut 12, go.
3: This day feels to me like we're taking a step down the road to becoming a political lynch mob. We're in so much hurry to get this done so it can be in the Saturday-Sunday news cycle and have our mint juleps at 5 o'clock. We are going to find a rope, find a tree, and ask a bunch of questions later.
0: Wow. That's the three found so far. Now, I'm not interested in talking to the media, ladies and gentlemen, or the partisans, but to you. But to you. Since the president tweeted and used the word lynch or lynching, he's been under assault. All throughout the media, he's been under assault by the Congressional Black Caucus. He's been under assault by all Democrats. He's been under assault by a lot of Republicans who said, I wouldn't use that word. That's perfectly fine but it shows you exactly what's going on in this country right now. The word lynch or lynching was freely used by Democrats in the House of Representatives to describe what was happening to Bill Clinton in 1998, during that impeachment process. But when the President of the United States uses the same word in a tweet, they say this is a pattern of racism. There he goes again. This is a pseudo-event, a non-event. Which the Democrats and the media and the media and the Democrats, one and the same, are using yet again to attack the President of the United States and try and drive down his popularity. To try and create a caricature of the man. That he's a racist. When in fact that word has been used and was used repeatedly... During the Clinton impeachment period. I'm talking to you. I don't give a damn what the media think. Because they're in on it. Those were not difficult to find. They're on the internet. They're on the internet. Yet all day long. All day long. Suddenly you couldn't use the word lynch and lynching. Which the Democrats used. 21 years ago. Repeatedly. Join the Clinton impeachment. Now enough of that. We're done with that. We're not going to chase that. All day long. That's not going to happen here. By the way, Gerald Nadler in 1998. October 4, 1998. Associated Press article. Nadler, top. Clinton defender. I'm the president's defender in the sense that I haven't seen anything yet that would rise, in my opinion, to the level of impeachment. I wish we could get this over with quickly. In pushing the process and pushing the arguments of fairness and due process, the Republicans so far have been running a lynch mob. That's four of them now. Four. Of all races, religions, heights, weights, only one genitalia, male. But that's four. Four. Jim Clyburn's out there, trashing the president. Beneath the dignity of the office of the president, he says. Beneath the dignity of the office of the president. Hakeem Jeffries, left-wing Democrat New York. President should not compare a constitutionally mandated impeachment inquiry to such a dangerous and dark chapter of American history. It's irresponsible for him to do so, and I hope he will apologize. But they had no problem with it 21 years ago with Clinton. None. Now, this is how the media and Democrat mob mentality work. This is how they work. But that's not all. Also, all evening long, we're hearing about this acting ambassador, William Taylor, a State Department bureaucrat, who's been on the job for basically half a year or less. And somehow his opening statement was released to the media. And certain little cherry-picked tidbits have been leaked to the media. And Democrat members of the committee, the House Intelligence Committee, go up in front of the click lights and behind the microphones and say, this is the worst day of my career in Washington. Shocking. All the drama, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what this is about. Drama and a mob. Pushing a process. Due process, ladies and gentlemen, goes as far back as the Magna Carta 1215 and its various subsequent iterations. The Magna Carta 1215, considered the first constitution in Europe. Heavily relied on by your founding fathers and framers of the constitution. Including the Bill of Rights. Now, although... Due process in that context was to be applied to the individual. The President of the United States, whomever that President may be, deserves at least as much due process as a terrorist. At least as much due process as a mass murder. We do. After all, we elected him. We deserve as much due process in the context of an impeachment. Now, what do we mean by due process? Well, think about your own situation if you're accused of something. The right to counsel at a proceeding. This president's counsel has been barred, barred from all the non-public secret proceedings that have been going on by the House Intelligence Committee. And so the the target of their attack doesn't even have a lawyer present to take notes as to what's being said. The right to cross-examine witnesses. Why does that right exist? Because can you imagine witnesses who aren't cross-examined? They could say whatever they want. But the witness... Needs to be tested. Their recollections need to be tested. Their integrity needs to be tested. All day long, we're hearing about acting Ambassador Taylor. President of the United States hasn't been able to test what this man has written and said. The right to challenge evidence. Why do you have a right to challenge evidence? Obviously, the goal is to get to the truth you have to be able to challenge evidence. There's evidence and then there's evidence, isn't there? The right to call witnesses. The president has had no right to call any witnesses in the context of this hearing. None. The Republicans, the minority, has had no right to call witnesses. None. Witnesses that might give a different take on a specific fact pattern. Witnesses that might contradict the witnesses being called by the Democrats. Witnesses that might prove the president's point. No such witnesses have been called, not one. The right to confront your accuser. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, if you're accused of something, not only don't you have the right to confront your accuser, you don't even have a right to know your accuser's name, apparently. You don't have a right to know their identity. And so they use the Whistleblower Act to prevent the President of the United States to even know who the accuser was. Now, in addition to challenging the evidence that another party or the other side brings, you have a right to present your own evidence, right? Well, this President hasn't had any right to present any evidence. None. And every trial, unless it's an extraordinary circumstance, is to be held in public. Why? Because in the end, the public has an interest in the justice system. Especially so here. The public has an interest in the impeachment process. Now, some of you might be saying, this is all well and good for the trial in the Senate. No, 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 no. There's effectively two trials, one in the House to determine if the president's going to be charged, and one in the Senate respecting conviction. I've heard it said, wrongly, that the House is like a grand jury. No, it's not. If the House is like a grand jury, then every Democrat on that committee needs to be arrested and thrown in prison because they're leaking secret grand jury information to the press. No, 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 they say. Then I guess it's not like a grand jury. The whistleblower's name and identity, the right to confront, no. The whistleblower's right uh, complaint, the right to challenge it, no. Secret testimony prevents the right to counsel to be present, the right to cross-examine, the right to call other witnesses, the right to present your own evidence, no public transcript. That's why they're conducting secret testimony. And the president can't even adequately respond to the leaks in the media tonight and every night when they have a witness. He can't even address it for the American people in the court of public opinion. And that's intentional, because this is all one-sided propaganda. One-sided propaganda, and the media in this country are more than happy to regurgitate it. More than happy. And you know damn well, if it were Obama being impeached, And the Republicans in the majority of the House and denying all these rights, all these processes traditionally given to a president of the United States confronting a situation like that, you know damn well they'd be attacked as racist, as unfair, as thugs, as Hitlerian, as Stalinist, and all the rest in the pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post the legal analysts on CNN and ABC and MSNBC, the former federal prosecutors, the current defense counsel, the former intelligence agents, former FBI agents, they all be saying the same thing. That this is the process of a thuggery, of a tyranny. And that's what it is. No House... Inquiry vote. No rules adopted by the full House. And the Republicans are largely cut out of the process. And the President of the United States is completely cut out of the process. This is a disgrace. There is no way the framers of the Constitution intended this. I read to you from Madison's notes. I read to you from the October 7, 1998, and I posted on my social sites, report from the Committee on the Judiciary to the full House of Representatives urging a resolution vote on an impeachment inquiry. And in that resolution, they make it explicit that it is the intention of the committee to conduct their investigation in all respects on a fair and partial bipartisan, nonpartisan basis including with the issuing of subpoenas. They made it abundantly clear that the resolution was needed because it's an overwhelmingly important act. It's a grave act, in impeachment inquiry, and the full House should be involved. And so they presented a resolution, and they cited the Nixon case in 1974 where the House Judiciary Committee did exactly the same thing. They stated, bluntly, that the President of the United States must have certain procedural rights. Certain procedural rights that were granted to Nixon in 1974 and were granted to Clinton in 1998. No such rights of any kind have been granted to President Trump. None. I'll be right back. love, And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimis absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimis for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimis.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimis, dot .Hillsdale.edu. Welcome to Hillsdale. The only administration in modern times to withhold military aid from Ukraine was the Obama administration. Donald Trump did not withhold military aid from Ukraine. He delayed it. Senator Ron Johnson has said publicly why. Senator Ron Johnson has said on my show on Life, Liberty and Levin, why? Heard by an enormous number of people utterly ignored by the press because it undermines their narrative. Moreover, as I've argued and will continue to argue, if in fact the administration and I don't know this, but if in fact the administration insisted that the new Ukrainian government investigate the 2016 election to determine whether that government interfered with our election Just as the Democrats insisted on the appointment of a special counsel to determine the extent to which the Russians interfered in our election, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And this double standard must come to an end. I'll be right back.
1: Making sure the land of the free and the home of the brave stays that way. Dial Mark Levin now at
0: 877-381-3811. Now the opening statement of Ambassador William Taylor just happens to be publicly available. This statement is out there, barefaced, no one available to challenge it, none of the individuals named in the statement, it's a long statement. Nothing. President's lawyers aren't there. The only thing the president's lawyers can do is learn from whatever is leaked by the Democrats to the media. And he was appointed in May, apparently, to serve in this position, not very long ago. And he's complaining about two channels of uh, diplomacy that's taking place with the Ukraine. Through the State Department and what he calls an irregular channel that involved, um, among others the Secretary of Energy, but also another ambassador. So it's clear he doesn't like the policies that are being pursued. He says, By mid-July, it was becoming clear to me that the meeting President Zelensky wanted was conditioned on the investigations of Barisma and alleged Ukrainian interference in the 2016 U.S. elections. It was also clear that the condition was driven by the irregular policy channel I had come to understand was guided by Mr. Giuliani. An irregular policy channel. Who's the president of the United States? Trump. What is the most entrenched bureaucracy of all the bureaucracies? The Department of State. Was not The Ukraine, the corrupt Ukraine regime interfering in our election in 2016, according to Politico, among others, yes, they were. And who were they coordinating with? Hillary Clinton. Was Hillary Clinton not the Secretary of State for a good period of time under Barack Obama? Yes, she was. And who else was encouraging and working with the Ukrainian regime to get involved in the 2016 election for Hillary? And against Trump. The DNC. Talk about irregular channels, ladies and gentlemen. That's why cross-examination is so important. That's why the presentation of other witnesses is so important. That's why the presentation of other evidence is so important. That's why it's so important for the president's lawyer to be available at these various hearings. These secret star chambers, as I call them. So acting U.S. ambassador to Ukraine is able to make a statement, a written statement that's leaked, without effective challenge. Without effective challenge. And he's throwing names around, tons of them. The Irregular Policy Channel. This is the part that's being cited throughout the media now. And remember what I just said. The irregular policy channel was Hillary Clinton, f- former Secretary of State, was the DNC, was there interference in the 2016 election and the president wanted to get to the bottom of it. And he says, by mid-July, it was becoming clear to me that meeting Zelensky wanted was conditioned on the investigations of Burisma. And alleged Ukrainian interference in the 2016 US elections. It was becoming clear to him. What's interesting is, up to this point, as I read his opening statement, the first five pages, there's not a word about Burisma, Mr. Bedeuser. Nothing. This is why it's important to challenge people like this. Now, maybe I missed it. There's not a word. And this irregular policy channel, informal channel, he says, involves Kurt Volker, the special envoy to the Ukraine, Ambassador Sondland, the ambassador to the EU, the Secretary of Energy. These three men are involved in an irregular channel or they're involved in activities in terms of policy that this particular bureaucrat doesn't agree with. That's the way it smells to me. He has no first-hand knowledge. Another one, none, of the president's interest in Burisma, none, zero. He just says it's apparent. He believes it, none. Again, I had uh, Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, on my program. And he emphatically states the president never brought that up. Period. Never brought up Biden. Never brought up Burisma. Doesn't seem to matter. Doesn't seem to matter. The rest of this almost doesn't matter, this long, involved statement. But I thought you needed to know it. What's going on here, again, is, you know, let, let me put it to you this way. The Democrats and the left like to talk about the living Constitution. This comes really, it's a phrase uh, that essentially comes from Woodrow Wilson in his long writings before he became a politician. He was one of the intellectuals in the early progressive movement. Late 1800s. And they talked about the living Constitution. That the Constitution needs to be flexible with the times. So we cannot, we cannot prevent progress by adhering to what the framers of the Constitution intended. After all, he says, others have said as well, they wrote the Constitution as they saw fit at that time. It's not for all times, and we can interpret it as we see it for our time. In other words, lawlessness. And so you have the living and breathing constitution, which means its terms, its conditions, its limitations, its balances are to be changed, rewritten, as the left chooses to. Well, we now have a living and breathing impeachment clause. And unfortunately, a lot of Republicans and conservatives, including in broadcasting, have fallen for this. It's as if there's no history behind the impeachment clause, no debate in the Constitutional Convention, no references to English common law. Treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors. Well, what does that mean? Well, whatever the House says it means, it's all political. Is that what the Constitution says? Is that what the framers of the Constitution said in Philadelphia? No, that's not what they said. And context matters, history matters. But now we have a rewriting in the impeachment clause, a living and breathing impeachment clause. And the House Democrats can reject 800 years of constitutionalism. 800 years. From the Magna Carta of 2015. In their application of a process As they try and drum out of office the President of the United States. And they don't have any expectation of drumming him out of the Senate. Although you never know what Mitt Romney and his cabal are capable of. History's filled with Mitt Romney types. Mitt Romney types. Whether it's the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War II. Old Tokyo Mitt. Or is it Willard? Or is it Pierre? Delecto. And so now, what's happening in the House of Representatives as a result of the Democrat control and Nancy Pelosi's fascism, that's right, fascism, anything goes. Anything goes. Line up witnesses against the president. Line up so-called evidence against the president. Make it difficult for the Republicans to even conduct themselves ...as representatives of their constituents. Make it difficult for them to have access to the transcripts. And whatever you do, keep the American people out of the process. Even though they say it's a political process. Even though they demanded transparency. Even to the point of wanting 60 grand jury information... ...out of the Mueller investigation, which they had no right to. Here they're conducting their own railroad uh, investigation... And they are denying you and me the ability to make our own judgments. Because they know they have the propagandists on the media on their side. They have the bullhorns. And they're going to keep pushing this agenda. They know they have Jeff Motherzucker over there at CNN. They know of Andrew Lack and his little sexual harassment problems as the head of NBC. They know they have Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski with their own moral issues over the years. That's right, I said it. They know all these people are in their back pocket. The same New York Times that's all of a sudden concerned about Ukraine, 90 years ago, 90 years ago, was a mouthpiece for Stalin as he murdered up to 10 million Ukrainians. Mouthpiece. With their Walter Durante, the so called reporter. The New York Times, which ran cover for Stalin as he was slaughtering through starvation Ukrainians. The same New York Times who ran cover for Adolf Hitler in the Third Reich as he was eviscerating European Jews. Now the New York Times is concerned about Ukraine. More when I return. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at Levinfrahillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, I served in the Reagan administration for eight years, and I dealt with wonderful bureaucrats, and I dealt with. Not-so-wonderful bureaucrats. And as I continue to read this 15-page, single-spaced, typed letter, opening statement, it strikes me that this acting ambassador, Taylor, had other motives for writing what he wrote. That's my take on this, the way Jim Comey had motives for writing what he wrote. The, the level of detail about the meetings, the time of the meetings, the phone calls, it's not normal for people to take notes like this, is it, Mr. Beducer? It's just not normal to take notes like this. And also, when you're an ambassador, or an acting ambassador, and you're being a part of discussions with... Cabinet secretaries and other ambassadors and so forth and so on. Why are you taking notes like this? Why are you taking notes like this? In any event, all we're getting now is his statement and spin by the Democrats and spin by the media. That's all you're getting. That would be like a prosecutor presenting his information or hers in a secret trial and then leaking to the media about what that information is, what his witnesses are saying, what evidence they have. And the person who is the target only learns about what's being done by reading it in the newspaper. That's why this process matters. You hear the media some of these buffoons in the media, you hear them say things like the Republicans are trying to deflect attention by focusing on the process. Nobody who believes in a Constitution or fairness or justice would ever make an argument like that. Process is everything. The Bill of Rights they're full of process. Process can be the difference between life and death, between freedom and imprisonment. Process means everything. Voting is a process. Discrimination is a process. But justice is all about a process. Equal access. Process. So we have a living and breathing impeachment clause now. The Democrats have rejected all institutional traditions and customs that have been applied to this process when it involves a sitting president of the United States. They want to take this up and through and into the general election so they can say they're running against a man who's been impeached and who's facing a Senate trial or faced a Senate trial. They want to be able to quote people like Mitt Romney. Run ads, 30-second ads, 60-second ads. This is their plan. They've decided to slow down the process, to push it past Christmas, into the next year, with a spectacle of a Senate trial. Because they know what I know about a lot of these Republican senators. They don't have half, half the ability that the connivers in the House have to deal with this. And so they'll lose seats in the Senate if they don't do this right. And we'll lose the presidency if they don't do this right. I'm not one of these Pollyannas on radio or TV who will just tell you what you want to hear. Look, Moody says there's no way Trump can lose. Don't believe it. Always fight like you're behind. The military runs model after model after model of being behind, of having less troops than the enemy, less air cover than the enemy. Less firepower than the enemy. Politics is the same without the, without the violence. Although with the left, there's more and more violence. Don't listen to these glad handers who just want you to listen to their shows. I'm telling you. I've been an activist my entire life. Not just a a radio host. And I'm telling you. You have to battle like you're behind. You have to take the measure of your adversary, in this case, your enemy. And you have to take them as serious as a heart attack. It's the only way you'll defeat them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a lot more. I'll be right back.
1: From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here.
0: That was in the New York Times a few days back, and I meant to get to it, but so much going on. And it's to you. Or many of you. It's the GOP will not be able to postpone a reckoning on Donald Trump's presidency for much longer. And the headline is the crisis of the Republican Party. It's by the New York Times editorial board. I doubt there's a single Republican on that editorial board but they're very concerned you see about the crisis of the Republican Party not the nut jobs who are running for president in the Democrat Party and they say the editorial board is a group of opinion journalists whose views are informed by expertise research debate and certain long-standing values it is separate from the newsroom really seemed kind of strange to me the walk in lockstep actually But here goes. You ready? In the summer of, because none of us read the New York Times anymore, but here we go. In the summer of 1950, outraged by Joseph McCarthy's anti-communism inquisition. Now that's interesting, since the Democrats are running around accusing everybody of colluding with the Russians, except of course themselves. Margaret Chase Smith, I know where this is headed, a Republican senator from Maine stood to warn her party that its own behavior was threatening the integrity of the American Republic. Can anybody remember the last time a Democrat did that? I don't want to see the Republican Party ride to political victory on the four horsemen of calumny, Fear, ignorance, bigotry, and smear, she said. I doubt if the Republican Party could, simply because I don't believe the American people will uphold any political party that puts political exploitation above national interest. Surely we Republicans aren't that desperate for victory. Nice try, New York Slimes, but that quote goes to you and the Democrats and what they're trying to do to this republic as I speak. And there won't be a word in here, I can assure you, of the process we talked about the first hour, we've talked about last week, ...that's being used to railroad this president. Senator Smith surely knew her declaration of conscience would not carry the day. Her appeal to the better angels of her party was not made in the expectation of an immediate change. Sometimes the point is just to get people to look up. This is uh, the Romney mentality. In the end, four more years passed before the bulk of the Republican Party looked up and turned on Senator McCarthy... Four years of public show trials and thought policing that pushed the country so hard to the right that the effects lasted for decades. This is how they trash Goldwater and Reagan and the rest. The problem with politicians who abuse power isn't that they don't get results. It's that the results come at a high cost to the republic and to the reputations of those who lack the courage or wisdom to resist. Again, they're writing of themselves. The Republican Party is again confronting a crisis of conscience. One that's been gathering force ever since Donald Trump captured the party's nomination in 2016. They hated Bush. They hated the other Bush. They hated Reagan. They hated Nixon. They hated Ford. Who the hell do they think they're kidding? Afraid of his political influence and delighted with his largely conservative agenda... Party leaders have compromised again and again. You know what's amazing about a statement like that? It's it's not only repetitious, we hear it everywhere. But it assumes that's why people react the way they do to the president, including elected officials, that they're afraid of his political influence. How about many of them agree with him? And many of them disagree with the effort to take him out and to deny millions and millions of us, tens of millions of us, our franchise. Swallowing their criticism and tacitly, if not openly, endorsing presidential behavior, they would have excoriated in a Democrat. Oh, really? Like the way you guys addressed JFK and LBJ and FDR and all the rest? Who the hell do you think you're lecturing? The Holocaust denying New York Times, the anti Semitic New York Times, the in the back pocket of Stalin New York Times, that New York Times. Compromise by compromise, they write, Donald Trump has hammered away at what Republicans once saw as foundational virtues. Decency, honesty, responsibility. He's asked them to substitute loyalty to him for their patriotism itself. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't in the least. And since when do you give a damn about decency, honesty, and responsibility, let alone patriotism? Mr. Trump privately pressed Ukraine to serve his political interests by investigating a political rival, former Vice President Joe Biden, as well as by looking into a long-debunked conspiracy theory about the Democrat National Committee emails that were stolen by the Russians. Now, this is amazing to me. Ken Vogel, a leftist, who wrote for Politico that piece that I read to you several times in part, he was hired by the New York Times And it's funny how the New York Times really isn't pressing the Ukraine interference in the 2016 election. Because it destroys their narrative. Because they're out to get Trump and they're out to help Hillary. And Hillary and the DNC had actually been working with the Ukraine. This is your New York Times, ladies and gentlemen. And as far as Joe Biden goes, I'll continue to make the point. Read the telephone transcript. President doesn't tell them to go after Joe Biden. The president read Ken Vogel's article. That's obvious. That's apparent from what he said. And he wanted them to get to the bottom of what took place in the 2016 election. Do us a favor. And he was talking about the 2016 election. He said, by the way, later, much later, you should consider looking into Hunter Biden and Joe Biden having the prosecutor fired. Ladies and gentlemen, that's public information. Asking them to dig up dirt on his political opponent to serve his political interests? Is that what the Democrats were doing when they demanded the appointment of a special counsel? Is that what the Democrats have been doing all these years? When they're running this rogue impeachment effort? Is that what the Democrats are doing now with their living and breathing impeachment clause? Interfering with the election? Look at the timing. Knowing damn well there'll be a Senate trial if they succeed during the course of the general election? Did the New York Times show any concern when senior levels of the FBI were leaking to the media? Of course not. Did they show any concern when spies were implanted in the Trump campaign by the FBI? No, not at all. Did they show any concern? Did they do any investigative journalism on how the FISA court was used? Or the interference in our election by a retired ex-British spy? Working with Russian apparatchiks to put together opposition research, they called a dossier, which was full of lies and scum and used with the FISA court. Did the New York Times show any concern? Did it break any stories? No, it did not. In fact, it worked hand in glove with the perpetrators. With the perpetrators. These attempts, they write, to enlist foreign interference in American electoral democracy are an assault not only on our system of government, but also on in the integrity of the Republican Party. But not, of course, the Obama administration, and not, of course, the Hillary Clinton campaign, which colluded with the Russians through Fusion GPS and Mr. Steele. And the Hillary campaign, again, which colluded with the Ukraine government that interfered in the election and who was the president at that time when all this was going on Barack Obama he's not mentioned Mr. Trump publicly made a similar request of China his chief of staff Mick Mulvaney said publicly on Thursday the administration threatened to withhold military aid from Ukraine if it did not help find the DNC servers it's not what he said that's not what he said why don't they have quote marks around what he said and how come there's no quote here now? Why don't they update it with Ron Johnson's statements publicly on my show? Because it doesn't serve their interests. The attempts to enlist foreign interference in American electoral democracy are an assault not only on our system of government, as they wrote, but also on in the integrity of the Republican Party. They don't believe the Republican Party has integrity. Republicans need to emulate the moral clarity of Margaret Chase Smith and recognize that they have a particular responsibility to condemn the president's behavior and to reject his tactics. And what of the Democrats and Clinton and the Democrats and the DNC and the Democrats and Obama and the Democrats and Comey and the Democrats and McCabe and the Democrats and Baker and Stroke, Page? What about the Democrats and the Ukrainian interference? What about the Democrats and Adam Schiff and his his lies and his sleazy conduct? Some have already done so. This is where they pat people on the head if you want positive New York Times coverage. On Friday, John Kasich, the former Ohio governor, said that Mr. Mulvaney's comments convinced him that the impeachment inquiry should move forward. Of course, Kasich is a never-Trumper. They don't mention that. Representative Justin Amash, another never-Trumper, had already called for impeachment, though he felt it necessary to leave the party as a consequence. Now, they beat on certain senators. There was a time when senators, Republicans like Chuck Grassley of Iowa, said that soliciting foreign election assistance would be improper. He's not soliciting foreign election assistance. He wants corruption investigated. And why is the New York Times a special pleader for Hunter Biden and Joe Biden? Why is the New York Times not blind to justice? Why is the New York Times defending the Bidens and arguing that they are above the law, that they should not be investigated? Why are they declaring, in essence, that they are immune from investigation? The Republicans will not be able to postpone a reckoning with Trumpism for much longer. The investigation by House Democrats appears likely to result in a vote for impeachment, despite efforts by the White House to obstruct the inquiry. Not a word! Not a word about what the House Democrats are doing. Not a word! New York Times editorial page. They used to have, and maybe still, senior members of the American Criminal Liberties Union, the ACLU, on their board. But hey, only processes are due when it comes to terrorists and mass murders. Thus far in office, Mr. Trump has acted against the national interest, and they go on and on and on. Some Republicans have clearly believed that they could control the president by staying close to him and talking him out of his worst ideas. Ask Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina how that worked out. Mr. Graham isn't alone, of course. There's a long list of politicians who have debased themselves to please Mr. Trump. And he goes on, so you get the kind of idiocy that is and always has been the New York Slimes you'll never see them write an editorial like that about a Democrat or a leftist for sure they even came to Hillary Clinton's defense as she was accusing this Tulsi Gabbard of being a Russian asset and Jill Stein of being Russian assets they're nuts, they're kooks that they are but they're not Russian assets The same Hillary who has essentially accused the President of the United States of the same thing. And I want to remind you, this New York Times got two Pulitzer Prizes for promoting the Russia hoax. This is the same New York Times that claims America started in 1619 with slavery. The same New York Times that covered up the Holocaust. The same New York Times that did the bidding of Stalin against the Ukrainians. The same New York Times who hired anti-Semites and hasn't fired them. The same New York Times that ran two anti-Semitic cartoons. The same New York Times that comes to the defense of Hamas when they're shooting missiles into Israel. The same New York Times who hasn't backed a Republican for president for God knows how long. They want you to believe that they're really concerned about the Republican Party. You know, I've been telling you about Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats' plan to socialize medicine and how they would impose government cost controls at the expense of high-quality health care. To put it another way, Pelosi's bill may prevent you and your family from having access to the latest and most effective drug therapies available anywhere. In fact, according to the Congressional Budget Office, which scores proposed legislation like the Pelosi plan, new breakthrough medicines may never be discovered at all. Why? She's going to kill research and development. You need capital, and a lot of it. And they project that the Pelosi plan would reduce this capital investment toward new treatments and cures. Now, we're not surprised, because when you impose drug price controls and punish private innovators with massive 95% tax penalties, you eliminate the financial ability to invest in critically needed research and development. And with it, the incentives to discover new treatments for cancer and new cures for crushing diseases. Now, let me give you an example. If Nancy Pelosi told you to work at a government-dictated salary, far lower than even your cost of living, and then compels you to pay 95% of it in new taxes retroactively, I think you'd go broke. You certainly wouldn't buy a new car, would you? Well, folks, that's nuts. And companies are the same way. Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. We'll be right back.
1: Levin.
0: We got to push back, you know. We got to lay out the facts. When you lay out the facts, we win. I know we've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen anything like this before either. But let me tell you what's going on. The same New York Times did some polling. And I'm guessing they wish they hadn't done any polling. They hadn't done polling. What our polls show about impeachment views in six swing states. Now, what it shows in these six swing states is that. Let's see. Registered voters support the impeachment inquiry by a five-point margin, 50 to 45%. The same voters oppose impeaching President Trump and removing him from office, 53 to 43%. That's a 10-point margin. And these states are Pennsylvania, Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Arizona. Support the inquiry but oppose his actual impeachment. And so this is not clear sailing for the Democrats or for the French Republicans like Romney. It's not clear sailing. These battleground states, and there are other battleground states as well, uh, people don't want the president of the United States removed. They don't even want him impeached. They'll say, okay, do your inquiry, but in the end, you better not impeach him. Remember what I've told you. This impeachment is driven by the speaker from San Francisco and committee chairman that have such a diverse geographical representation as New York and New York and L.A. and L.A. and New York. I'll be right back.
3: Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at
0: 877-381-3811. You know, credit card debt is easy to get into and hard to get out of. And with an average interest rate of eighteen percent, it can really eat away at your savings. But it doesn't have to be this way, you know. If you're a homeowner, you can consolidate that high-interest debt into your mortgage at a much, much lower rate, creating an opportunity to save hundreds of dollars a month. By the way, even $1,000 or more. But only if you call American Financing a wonderful family-owned business that is there to actually help you tailor a special loan to address your needs. And their salary-based mortgage consultants will create a custom loan program without restarting your loan term. So you're not paying interest on years you don't need. And I recommend them because I've talked to them and I've gotten to know them. And as I said, it's a family-owned business. And they don't pay their employees a commission, so there's no pressure. Your best interests are truly top of mind there. You know what else? They don't charge upfront fees. And you may even be able to postpone two mortgage payments. They'll work with you. They'll try and help you. So I wouldn't wait any longer. Interest rates are very low. Make the 10-minute call today. Call 888 900 That's 888 900 Or go online to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, org. I wonder where that guy was. All right, back to this New York Times piece, because it's, it's interesting. It should give you a lot of hope, too, because you know they very much did not want to run this once they got their numbers. But here we are. This survey that they had conducted, New York Times-Siena College survey, where they got these numbers from, depicts a deeply divided electorate in these battleground states a year from the election, with the president's core supporters and opponents exceptionally energized and unified. Yet at the same time, a crucial sliver of relatively moderate voters, just 7% of the electorate, support the inquiry without backing Mr. Trump's impeachment and removal from office. The findings suggest that public opinion has stabilized since shifting quickly against the president late in September, And it leaves American politics where it's been for some time, deadlocked. With neither side likely to face severe political costs for its position on the president, I don't agree with that. If they run a solid campaign, and if we all do what we need to do, the left will pay a price. Particularly with their knuckleheads vying for their nomination. Democrats have long feared that impeachment would alienate moderate voters. But in the pivotal states of Pennsylvania, Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Arizona, majority voters support the inquiry. Self-described dependents back the inquiry, 51 to 43 percent. But they do not support actual impeachment and not removal from office. Support for the impeachment inquiry is largely consistent with recent national surveys, which show registered voters backing the inquiry by an average of nine points over the last three weeks. Or a margin of four points higher than the one in the Times-Siena poll. 2016, the six battleground states were about four points more favorable to Mr. Trump than the rest of the country was, a pattern that persisted in the 2018 midterm election. So he's not losing any ground in these states, Apparently. The results suggest the president continues to be stronger in the top battleground states than he is nationwide. This is keeping his narrow path to re election alive and insulating him and his party from national political opinion to an extent. Keep in mind the relentless ideological monopoly media in this country, day in and day out, pounding away on the president. National surveys have been less consistent about the issue of removal. A few high-profile national surveys, including a Fox News poll criticized by the president, show a majority of voters support impeachment and removal. But many surveys have not shown support for removal. Part of the problem was that poll that Fox did um, used 48% Democrats. A much too big sample. An NBC Wall Street Journal poll, for instance, found that adults opposed impeachment and removal by a six-point margin, 49 to 43 percent, nearly the reverse of the Fox result of 51 to 43 percent. Others, Marist College, Quinnipiac, CNN SSRS, and Monmouth College also found more opposition than support for impeachment and removal. The times siena results are fairly consistent with those surveys, so oddly enough, The Fox poll was the outlier. A group that could be crucial to shifting the balance of public opinion is voters who say they support the inquiry but are not ready to support removing the president. So this 7% slice of respondents tends to be younger, 33% or 18 to 34. Nearly half are self-identified independents. And they could prove tough for Democrats to convince 51% say the president's conduct is typical of most politicians, perhaps suggesting they hold a jaded view of politics that would tend to minimize the seriousness of the allegations against him. Well, perhaps they're right. Mr. Trump's supporters from 2016 are nearly unanimous in their opposition to removing him. Overall, 94% of respondents who said they voted for him four years ago said they opposed his impeachment and removal. It's possible that Trump voters who have soured on him, are less likely to divulge their 2016 preference to a pollster. Now, that's wishful thinking by the New York Slimes. No evidence for that whatsoever. Trump voters are not convinced that the president's conduct was atypical for politicians in Washington. Only 11% of Mr. Trump's 2016 supporters believe that his Ukraine-related conduct is worse than the conduct of most politicians. 75% say it's typical. Democrats and self-reported Hillary Clinton voters strongly support impeachment and removal, but they're divided by ideology and levels of political engagement. And, of course, they're nuts. They want to remove a president because they don't like him, because they lost. Same with the media. Overall, 83% of Democrats and 85% of Mrs. Clinton's voters said they supported impeachment and removal from office, compared with 93% of Republicans who opposed. Just 75% of moderate and conservative Democrats say they support impeaching and removing Mr. Trump. 21% are opposed. Very liberal Democrats, on the other hand, 93% are in favor. Well, of course they are. They're nuts, like I said. Now, much of the hesitation among Democrats comes from voters who say they aren't following the news about impeachment very closely. Of these voters, 21% oppose impeaching and removing Mr. Trump. New developments could sway public opinion as well, of course. But more time doesn't guarantee a shift in public opinion. But this is now what the Democrats are hoping for. Two things. More time. More leaks. More one-sided process. Then all of a sudden they drop all their findings on the American people. Great drama in the media with all their, you know, music and orchestras in the background. Celebrating it, the worst president ever, a racist, a misogynist, corrupt, disloyal, un-American, you know, all the rest of it. All of a sudden, the drama of witnesses coming forward after they line up all their ducks. They learned well from Joseph Stalin. But time doesn't guarantee a shift in public opinion, writes the New York Slimes. The rapid increase in support for impeachment after Pelosi's announcements of the opening of the inquiry last month is clearly slowed and perhaps even ground to a halt. This is why they're slowing down. This and because they want the Senate to be bogged down in a trial during the general election. Hopefully they feel knocking off some of the Republican senators with help from the media and running against Trump as an impeached president, facing a trial, and so forth and so on. That's what they're doing. This is a complete bastardization of the impeachment provision. Complete bastardization. Paying close attention doesn't ensure that voters will resolve to remove the president either. Trump voters who say they're following the impeachment news very closely oppose impeachment and removal from office. 97%. That's you. 97%. 97%. So the Democrats are potentially vulnerable here. We have to keep pounding them for the miscreants and reprobates that they are, for the system that they're employing, for the way they are undermining a legitimate impeachment process. I'm quite serious about this. All right. I haven't taken any calls, Mr. Producer. Do you have an irregular American or a very good regular American? Yes. Kathy, Idaho, XM Satellite, go.
4: Hi, Mark. Um, God bless your patriotism. My husband and I love you. Now, Thank you. I'm I'm extremely emotional, and I'll tell you what I've cried for my country a lot, and I love this country with all my heart and soul. And I have a lot of deep gratitude for what this country has given me. But I'm calling because Americans can do something. I was on the phone today. I called Republican senators, and I gave them a strong opinion. I said, why are you not on television protecting and defending this president and calling out these Democrats for this phony impeachment inquiry? And I believe there are so many Trump supporters out there, Mark. I talk to people every day. We have family in different states, even California. And I'll tell you something, they love him. I go to the market wherever I go. And my husband is a disabled Vietnam veteran. And he talks to people all the time and other veterans. And I'm telling you, people are livid and outraged. I can't even begin to tell you into words how I feel.
0: I agree with you completely. And you, the people who voted for Donald Trump and support Donald Trump, and Republicans generally, including the Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee and in the House generally, are being treated as second-class representatives. The Republicans in the House are being treated as second-class representatives. They're not provided any effective role in this process as... uh, parties have in the past, both parties. The president of the United States is being treated as a second-class president. Nixon, Clinton, Johnson were all treated fairer than this president's being treated. And hopefully in the end, there'll be enough people who see this, not just the 97% who support Trump, who voted for Trump, but also more and more so-called moderate Democrats, blue-collar, hard-working Democrats, union members, or even independent truckers and People who drive taxis and uh, and on and on and on. Police, firefighters, teachers. I hope they see what's taking place in this country because it's an abomination. Thank you for your call, Kathy. Keep your chin up. We'll be right back.
1: Much in
0: Cyber thieves are stealing American homes. Now, what am I talking about? Guess where your home's legal title and mortgage documents are kept? Online, wide open to the public. Your signature and everything thieves need to take over ownership of your home, easily available online. Thieves forge your name off the title, then refile the deed so it appears that you sold it. Then they go to unscrupulous lenders and borrow money using your home's equity. Then they disappear and stick you with the payments before you even know what hit you. Banks, insurance, identity theft programs do not protect you. Home Title Lock does. Home Title Lock puts a virtual firewall around your home's title and mortgage. And they monitor the black market to see if your home is for sale. Your home's equity is your retirement, your emergency fund, probably the biggest asset you have. Let me help you protect it with 60 risk-free days of Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, enter your address to see if you're already a victim, and also, if you're not, to get the 60 risk-free days. Defend yourself at HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. As I said, all that information is on the Internet, so these scoundrels can... Can access it. Protect yourself. HometitleLock.com. All right, Mr. Producer, let's see if my calls. Ooh, my call screen's working. Mike, Anaheim, California. Sirius satellite, go.
3: Hey, Mark, Uh, enjoy your show. Uh, I hang on every word. Thank you. Hey, I I am so frustrated listening to the media and these dopey Democrats really minimize the Republicans' legitimate complaints about process when Mm -hmm. it was a year ago and all we heard was complaints about the process during the Kavanaugh hearing. And I think that's – obviously there's a double standard, but it's just really frustrating to minimize complaints about process when that's all they hung on. Oh, he's jamming this – Grassley's jamming this through. We can't see all the writings. Uh, the FBI is not what, what do
0: they do with the Mueller report? We want the grand jury information, even though they had 98.9%. But remember who was driving the agenda, the media with Kavanaugh? I mean, these leaks would not have a voice but for the media. Driving the agenda of the Russia collusion, the media. Driving this agenda again, the media. Giving cover to the Democrats. You know, excoriating the Republicans. For what? The Republicans are trying to do their job. The Democrats are railroading this thing. Yeah, it's, But it's here's the good news. The American people hate the modern mass media, not freedom of the press. There's a distinction. They hate the modern mass media. Half the country more knows they're propagandists. Half the country has no respect for them. If you read the first chapter of Unfreedom of the Press, it lays it out there. It's true.
3: The, the local news here is unwatchable at night just to try to get a flavor for what's going on local because they spend the first 15 minutes just out of context hammering Trump, and I just can't take it.
0: This uh, is I, Anaheim, right?
3: I even, yeah, I just can't even watch my local news anymore to find out what's going on because i got to sit through 15 minutes what a moron Trump is.
0: You know, it's sad. You know, 30 years ago, Anaheim was a Republican area. Orange County was a Republican stronghold. Now it's not. Uh, areas like Irvine, I mean, it's Orange County, but Irvine, Huntington Beach, defeated Republican members of the House. I can go on and on and on, what's happened to California, one-party rule. These people don't give a damn about the rule of law. They don't give a damn who votes, as long as they win. It's the same thing in the House of Representatives, what the Democrats are doing there. Power, power, and more power. That's what they're about. Very scary. Mike, thank you for your call, my friend. Will, Appleton, Wisconsin, the great WTAQ. Go!
2: Hey, Mark, good evening. How are you, sir?
0: Very well, thank you.
2: Thanks for having me on. Hey, i got a question for you. Uh, This isn't something that that I haven't heard anyone talk about, but this Mm -hmm. concept of impeachment and removing uh, President Trump from office, that would obviously then leave Vice President Pence uh, up to bat. Mm -hmm. But what happens after that? Who do we have waiting in the wings?
0: I don't know. And, you know, uh, the Vice President has to be approved by Congress. By the Senate.
2: And and so that, that's my question. So then, of course, if there's But it won't no, go
0: on long enough, sir, because we have a general election in less than uh, 13 months.
2: Well, but the, the speed at which these Democrats are trying to push this through... I know,
0: but what, what I'm saying is you could, they, they'll actually probably go without a vice president for a period of time. Um, and by the way, even if Trump is impeached, and even if they removed him, you know he could run again.
2: Well, of course, and that—that's—that's the comedy. This whole situation is he could run and would probably win again.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: what I'm wondering is if, if, Vice President Pence would they, would the Democrats then try to impeach him too?
0: Uh, they wouldn't have enough time. All right, thank you for your call. There's a zillion scenarios, but they wouldn't have enough time to do that. We'll be right back
1: from the Westwood One Podcast Network.
0: Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, how do you like that? Our great NATO ally, Turkey. Remember some columnists and hosts were saying, we have a deal with Turkey, that's our real ally. Not the Kurds. Well, they made a deal with Russia. They made a deal with Russia. I never thought I'd ever see anything like this. They're going to launch joint patrols. And Aragon, Aragon, the uh, Islamist who runs Turkey, said this is historic. He called uh, Putin his dear friend. And um, the agreement cements Russia and Turkey's roles as the main foreign policy players in Syria. After our withdrawal from most of the country. And... uh, Many of you may not see this now, but one day we're going to regret this. I believe that quite strongly. One day we're going to regret this very, very much. Uh, Iran is all powerful in Syria. Assad is now entrenched. Russia now has a huge bulkhead in Syria. It had nothing before. And, of course, Turkey is supposed to be our ally in NATO and has been making alliances with Russia. Because he's an Islamist and Putin's trying to break up NATO. And so Turkey's basically grabbed 75 miles of a so-called buffer zone, north, northern Syria. They've pushed out at least 200,000 Kurds out of their homes and so forth. It's not like the Kurds just showed up. They've been living there a very long time. Uh, and um, these are the Syrian Kurdish forces who fall with us. And now Russia has a huge foothold. Well, let the Russians have it. Okay, we did. Just mark my words when we look back on this. You know, I get these emails. There are people now lecturing us in this business, TV and radio, who are attacking a relatively recent military actions that we've been involved in. Afghanistan, Iraq, and so forth. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, when we were involved in these military actions, they were supporting President Bush, as was I, in taking these actions. And they attacked the people, most of you, too, who supported President Bush in going into Afghanistan and going into Iraq. And these broadcasters attacked the people Back then, according of course they they have short memories, they exclude themselves. As part what do they call them? Warmongers, I think they call them? Warmongers in the establishment. Warmongers in the establishment? Is that what Bush was? No, that's not what he was. It's not what he is. But warmongers who rely on federal subsidies, federal contractors. You see, this is the idiocy of the left, the code pink left. They believe there is this, this, this conspiracy between these corporations and the warmongers. And this is why they want war. So you can't have a legitimate opinion, a legitimate difference of opinion when it comes to uh, geopolitical national security and so forth. No, you must be part of the warmongers. You must have investments in Lockheed Martin. There must be, you must be. I mean, it's absurd. Stupid. Stupid. People can have differences of opinion. Honest to God, differences of ideas, doctrine, principles, opinion. Without being a sellout or being bought off. But to hear people who supported our military efforts over the last 15 or 20 years pretend that they didn't and then join in in the name-calling is really pathetic. Truly pathetic. How about some consistency and some integrity? If you're going to change your opinion, at least say, I've changed my opinion. I was wrong. I don't believe I was wrong, so I'm not changing my opinion. But that's okay. I'm saying if you're going to pretend now that you're part of the new thinking and that you were never part of the old thinking, this is how liberals talk, by the way, then stop lying to the public about it. It's amazing. Amazing. Back then, they were patriotic, flag waving, supported our troops in their efforts. Today, no. To be patriotic is to be the opposite. And the old thinking and the warmongers and the war machine and the this machine and the that machine. Stupid. Stupid. In my opinion. But everybody should be happy now. The Russians have a big foothold, a second one. (coughs) Excuse me, in Syria. They happily took it. They happily took our bases. They're perfectly fine. So we can all cheer now. Iran's cheering, Syria's cheering, Turkey's cheering, Russia's cheering. Some of you are cheering, and the Kurds are not. Good, right? Good outcome. We'll see how it goes. Well, the media keep promoting this anonymous. Maybe it's more than one person. I have no idea. It's like Deep Throat, I suppose. Anonymous is writing a book. Remember, Anonymous had a column in the New York Times in 2018. And you know what anonymous's column is, ladies and gentlemen? What is it? A pseudo-event. An unidentified individual wrote an op-ed. The New York Times was more than happy to run it. And it became a news issue. It was all over the news. Anonymous, a senior Trump administration official. Part of the resistance. Wrote the op-ed. Oh my God! Trying to save us from Trump! Went on and on and on. Well, now Anonymous is writing a book that's coming out in November. It's all over the place. It's up on the Drudge Report. The book, titled A Warning, is being promoted as an unprecedented behind-the-scenes portrait of the Trump presidency that expands upon the Times column, which ricocheted around the world and stoked the president's rage because of its devastating portrayal of Trump in office. pseudo event. One person's opinion. Or a collective. Somebody who is utterly disloyal. And I am firmly of the belief, by the way, that the CIA and the FBI have and are continuing to try and take out this president. I'm not talking about the grunts, as we call them. The foot soldiers. I'm talking about the senior levels. And others. They have, in fact, been working to take out this president. And that's why we have a CIA operative who's a whistleblower. Good guy, even though he's a Democrat, even though he went only to shift staff, even though he has connections to Biden. Yeah, 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 that's okay, forget it. You must be a conspiracy nut. It's Trump who's got the quid pro quo, not the CIA operative, who we're going to protect, we're going to protect his name. And Schumer writes to the intelligence agency, says, how are you going to protect this guy from Trump and people who want to harm him? What an idiot. Schumer, with the cornrows on his forehead. Hey, that's very hip, Chuck. The column described Trump's leadership styles, impetuous, adversarial. Any opportunity to repeat the attacks on the president, the media will do exactly that. The forthcoming book will list the author as anonymous. Very professional, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Although the person does not reveal their identity in the book, they will discuss reasons for their anonymity, according to people involved in the project. This is your PR effort. Why am I telling you this? Don't buy the book. Don't buy a book where an individual does not have the courage to put their name and identity on the book. Much like Pierre uh, Delecto, Mitt Romney, a child, a fraud, a goofball. Picking up from where those first words of warning left off, this explosive book offers a shocking first-hand account of President Trump and his record, reads a statement about the book's release. The book will be published November 19 by 12, an imprint of Grand Central Publishing and Hatchet Book Group, comes during a treacherous period for Trump. As the House continues its fast-moving impeachment and into to the allegations the President abused his power. The author is being represented by Matt Latimer and Keith Urban of Javelin. I thought these guys were conservatives over at Javelin. Didn't you think so, Mr. Producer? Guess not. I would never use them. The same literary agents who represented fired FBI Director James Comey and former White House aide Cliff Sims, still a Trump ally, for their memoirs for their time in the Trump administration. The book was acquired by Sean Desmond, 12's publisher. People involved in the project said that both 12 and Javelin have verified the book's author is the same person who wrote the Times column but would not share the author's identity with the Washington Compost. He must be in the whistle protected, whistleblower protection program. There obviously will be those who want the author to reveal themselves publicly, but there are good reasons for that not to happen, Latimer said. The author feels her identity is almost irrelevant because there is scarcely a sentiment expressed in this book that is not shared by numerous others who've served and continue to serve this administration at the highest levels. Do you think any of these publishers would publish such a book if Obama were president? The answer is no. Republicans are second-class citizens in this country when it comes to the media. Republican presidents are second-class presidents when it comes to the media. Republican voters are second-class voters when it comes to the media. It's just the way it is. There's no modern historical parallel for a first-hand account of a sitting president written a book form by an anonymous author. No, because it's utterly unethical. Once again, secret whistleblower, secret author. Many senior government officials, including some who served in the Trump administration, have written books under their own names. Many more have shared information with journalists on the condition of anonymity. Latimer said the anonymous author of A Warning did not take an advance and intends to donate some of the royalties to nonprofit organizations that focus on government accountability. That's a PR move. Oh, what an earnest individual. So studious. So patriotic. It's another spy. Another spy in the Trump White House presuming it is somebody in the Trump White House. It's another spy, like the CIA spy. It's outrageous. I'll be right back.
1: Mark in.
0: You know, it's hilarious. Observing the media. The Joe Biden, Hunter Biden thing, it's unproven. No evidence. Excuse me? No evidence. It's like two and a half years ago when I pointed out that the uh, administration was surveilling Trump. No evidence. No evidence all over the place. How did I know? Because the media had written about it. They were fielding leaks from the FBI and the intelligence services, putting them in the paper. I put them together. I pointed out, oh, you must be a right-wing conspiracy nut. So the same media that has been pushing the Russia collusion narrative for two and a half, really three years, lying to the American people, connecting non-existent dots, ignoring all the evidence of what's actually taking place. Trump must be involved in a conspiracy. He's delusional on this issue of Ukraine. But again, the media brought it up. And the article that was written in Politico two and a half years ago, is extremely detailed with lots of names. Not anonymous, you know, anonymous. Oh, that anonymous, that's something. Media, what a joke. People cannot stand the mass media today. Cannot stand them. They talk about Trump's ratings all the time. Look at their ratings. And they'd have no ratings but for the fact that Democrat leftists love the media. Because that's who represents them. David, Bloomington, Illinois, XM Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark,
3: how you doing tonight? All right, sir. All right, sir. I want to talk about President Trump hit the nail right on the head. The Republicans need to stand together. You'll
0: see Schiff, he can just spout off anything he wants. He can lie. He can tell stories because he knows the Democrats will get behind him 100%. We have the Senate. We have the power in the Senate. Like you said last night, They need to start putting their act together, get these uh, things going like the Democrats do, and push forward. And President Trump's out there hanging in the wind, and nobody will back him up. Whether Mitch McConnell has the votes or not, he must launch the nuclear option. Harry Reid did it for federal appellate judges, and then Mitch McConnell did it for the Supreme Court, rightly so, given that the Democrats were filibustering, and filibustering on a large scale like never before in American history. And here they are again, turning the impeachment system upside down and inside out, turning any notion of justice and fairness, the past processes that were used against presidents, on their heads as well. So what the United States Senate needs to do is get rid of the rules they put in place in 1986. There's nothing in the Constitution that prevents this. In fact, I would argue the Constitution compels it, because the only check on the House of Representatives is the United States Senate, And that is what the framers intended, as you know, because I read it out of Madison's notes. That's why it takes a supermajority of two-thirds to convict a president and remove him from office. They knew the possibility existed that we would have a House of Representatives run by one party just like this, trying to railroad a duly elected president right before, I might add, a new election, right before the American people get to make a decision. But the Democrats in the House want to use this for the 2020 election. That is a bastardization of the impeachment process. They're living and breathing impeachment process that they're obviously embracing. So that needs to be fought. So again, I want to say that what the United States Senate must do, must do, is use a majority vote. And if they don't get Romney, they don't get a few of the others, let's know who they are, smoke them out. So in the next cycle, when they're up for election, we can take them out politically as well. Got to do what's right and let the chips fall where they may. And what they should do is the nuclear option, which is basically overrule the parliamentarian, who will say you need 67 votes to change the rule, because that's the rule they put in place. It's not constitutionally compelled. You overrule the parliamentarian with a majority vote, 51 votes. Then you can say what they've sent over here to the United States Senate, given their process, given the fact the president couldn't even confront His accusers, given the fact that much of this testimony was taken in secret, even though eventually they might release it, given the fact that they departed from past norms, whether it was Andrew Johnson, Richard Nixon, or Bill Clinton, we in the Senate have our own independent institutional responsibility. And we are not going to give our imprimatur to what's coming in here from the House of Representatives. Just like a court, just like a court where people move to dismiss. And they should move to dismiss and dismiss it. That's what they should do. Dismiss the charges as they come from the House of Representatives and explain exactly why. And they might be able to actually pick up a few houses in the Senate, and we'll win the presidency again, and they might actually take the House back. We shall see. What do you think?
3: Well, I agree with everything you're saying, but I, I, I like a lot of other
0: people say, I do not understand why the Senate will not do that. It's almost like... Sir, Senate- I, I, I can't... I can't um... Uh, resolve a question like I do not understand why the Senate won't. It's just impossible for me to resolve that question. Whether we understand what the Senate will do or not, we're showing them a way forward. Rather than just rubbing our hands together and saying, I don't understand, I don't understand. They must do this. This is what they must do. This is what I do understand. I'll be right back.
1: then the thunder on the right call in now 877-381-3811
0: Kimberly Strassel is a fabulous writer and thinker and investigator you know there used to be a lot of those kinds of people but there aren't any more her great book is resistance at all costs how Trump haters are breaking America how are you?
5: I am great. It is such a joy to be here with you, Mark.
0: And likewise. And I've been following you. You've been doing a tremendous job. I want to get into this with you. They, they talk about, and you write in your book, about how the, the uh, Trump haters talk about how he's destroying democracy. Your entire book is about how they're destroying our institutions, right?
5: Yeah, I think it's what they call projection, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we've had for three years this argument, Trump destroying democracy, Trump undermining institutions. You step back and you look objectively. First, I'm going to make two premises. One, this has been one of the more rule-bound administrations that we've had in the modern era. Um, They've got a lot of good people in place that are making sure that government is smaller and it's acting within its confines. But two, that if you really look at the damage that's being done to our core institutions and things that matter to us is being done from the other side, whether it's loss of faith in the FBI and the Department of Justice, whether it's impeachment as a partisan political tool, whether it's a destruction of the Senate confirmation process. These are things that matter, and they're far going to outlast Donald Trump's tenure.
0: You know, you've been watching Washington a long time, writing about Washington a long time, You took over that Potomac Watch column, I think.
3: uh, A long time ago.
0: Paul had that before, right? I think so. Yeah, he did.
5: I'm a woman. We don't want to talk about my age. (laughs)
0: That's all right. You're very young. Anyway, (laughs) so uh, so have you ever seen anything like this?
5: I've never seen anything like this. And I think, you know, the last chapter of my book, by the way, I didn't give it a lot of attention because someone had covered it better than me beforehand. But I had a little chapter on the media. Ah, (laughs) And that is the thing that's most astonishing to me. And now, in retrospect, the one thing I think I might have done differently is put it at the front of the book, because Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that had the media done its job, and had it acted as the guardrail, which is what it's supposed to do against radical behavior, we wouldn't have seen any of the rest of the things that had come along.
0: You look at this impeachment process, it, it, it kind of flows out of your book, the way they've been treating these institutions. They're burning down these institutions, as you point out, the FBI, the CIA, and so forth. And they're burning down the impeachment process. They're using it as a one-party tool to affect the 2020 election. And and the media just seem to be perfectly fine with it.
5: No, and you know this as well as anyone. You've watched Washington longer than anyone. You know, if you set these precedents, if you set these standards lower, they're only going to go lower still. And the, in my mind, the measure of a successful impeachment proceeding is, can you convince a majority of Americans that you've done a thorough job in convincing them that there was a high crime or misdemeanor? Well, even with these polls that they're hyping out there, you're nowhere near that standard. And so what we're doing is we're setting up a process by which Impeachment becomes a partisan political tool. And I keep warning my friends on the other side of the aisle look, at some point, there's going to be a Democratic president and a Republican House. And do you really want this to be the precedent where the first thing they do is file articles of impeachment?
0: And one of my favorite chapters in your book is about the judiciary, judicial unrestraint. And we expect the judiciary as best as we can to be a referee here, but you have these Obama appointees and others who've jumped into the fray, right?
5: Well, right, and that's one of my favorite chapters, too, and I'm glad you brought it up because very few people have paid attention to it. Everyone wants to talk about the deep state and and other things, but we expect our judges to have ideological differences, right? We've always known there are conservative justices and liberal justices, but even Among that, we've always expected them to follow certain judicial standards, which are set out by the Supreme Court. And one of those, for instance, just to give an example, is you don't slap national injunctions on every executive action because there's a certain deference that's owed to the executive branch, but also because we have a system set up in this country where the circuits disagree with each other. We get different opinions. And we argue it out until it goes to the Supreme Court. When some judge, random judge in podunk wherever, says I'm issuing a national injunction, he is imposing his will on the entire country. A person who was not elected, I mean, granted he was appointed and confirmed, but this is not how our republic works. Um, And we see a lot of examples of that happening in the judiciary, not because of any good legal standard, but because of a disdain for Donald Trump.
0: In fact, it's relatively new. I can tell you years ago when I worked at the Regnum Justice Department, I don't remember district judges issuing national injunctions.
5: No, and, you know, two things on that. One, I have a statistic in the book. Donald Trump has had more national injunctions issued on him in his time in the presidency than the prior six presidents Mm. combined, which is a, a number for the ages. But also, this has been so bad that, in a recent opinion, Clarence Thomas at the Supreme Court felt the need to point out, and I think it was on the travel ban decision, he said, we've got to, as a court or as a country, deal with this new plethora of national injunctions because it is screwing up a lot of things in the system, and we have warned them before not to do it, and they're doing it anyway.
0: Let me ask you a couple of questions here. Your book has... uh Meet the Press, shown any interest in this book?
5: No one's shown any interest in this book.
0: Face the (laughs) Nation? You've
5: shown interest in this book. Thank you, but...
0: But but, but Face the Nation?
5: Nope. CNN? No. MSNBC? No.
0: This is what happens, you see. This is how this works. So you have a, a thoroughly researched book. It is a fantastic book. In fact, I just want to tell my audience, it's very... Digestible. It's very easy to read. It's not one of these heavy, heavy books, and you learn a lot of stuff. And the way you write is absolutely terrific. And these, these, this is my problem. These so-called journalists have absolutely no interest in moving outside their boxes now.
5: I've never seen anything like this in my life. Look, I've I've worked for a major American newspaper for 25 years now, and we always knew that the left, like the press, was biased. It would lean to the left. Fine. But what we've seen happen in the last three years is something different in kind. It is an active, overt participation in a partisan war. And it's causing so much of the damage because we expect the press to be neutral arbiters of these things, to be referees and guardrails, to call balls and strikes. And when they not only don't call out the other side for doing something wrong, but actually actively indulge them and collaborate with them. It's not the press anymore. It's something different. I mean, you went through this in your book in, in far more detail than I ever do. But it's, it's also causing huge damage. We need a functioning press in this country, and Americans have lost faith in the press. Do you know how hard it is to get a lower approval rating than Congress? Yeah, and yet yeah. the press has managed it.
0: The book is Resistance at All Costs. How Trump Haters Are Breaking America, Kimberly Strousel, You're well aware of her. I have it on Mark Levin Facebook, Mark Levin Twitter. I suggest you can go directly to Amazon and grab your copy. This is a must-read book. Let me ask you a few more questions about this. When you started this, when, when did you start writing this book?
5: Only at the beginning of this last year.
0: Because it's tough to keep up with events, isn't it?
5: No, I kept talking to my publisher, and you know this, as a book publisher, it takes so long to publish a book, to get it in print, and I kept saying, I think we need to hold out for the IG report, and I'm really glad I didn't do that.
0: (laughs) My God, is it ever coming?
5: I don't know. Apparently, big fight over classification. That would surprise no one, given that this is the IG versus all the intelligence agencies that have obstructed any requests into information from them.
0: You know, I know this sounds like conspiracy stuff, but it's really not. Again, I'm an old-timer in the Reagan administration you have been around watching Washington for a long time. I honestly believe—I want your take on this too, please—that the FBI and the intelligence agencies tried to stop Trump's election and now have been working overtime to try and take him out. Is that an overstatement?
5: No, it's not an overstatement. I don't think it's an overstatement at all. Look— I keep trying to bring people back to even just first principles. The very fact that I could say this statement, that you could say this statement, that the FBI launched a counterintelligence investigation into a presidential campaign is an astonishing statement. Mm -hmm. And it should scare people on both sides of the aisle. We do not want a situation where that is happening ever. And then you go from there. Then you go with everything that happened in the FISA court. Then you go with Comey and his secret memos on the president and the leaking. And you go with his false briefing that he gave the president and president-elect and president in January 2017. The number of offenses here is so extraordinary that, you know, it's going to take a long time to sort them all out and for Americans to absorb it. But they need to because this cannot be the basis of a republic going forward.
0: And this is the scary thing. If Trump hadn't been elected, we wouldn't know any of this.
5: No. And one of the things I point out in my book is, look, among the offenses of the FBI is that it purposely withheld the information about this probe from Congress which was highly unusual, which even Comey admitted in testimony. They always share information about counterintelligence investigations with the House Intelligence Committee and the Senate Intelligence Committee so that they can compare notes. It's good for national security. They withheld this one. And then, of course, as we all know, they cloaked the actual details about this to the FISA court in the end, about who provided the information for the dossier, et cetera. And my my belief is that they did that purposely to make sure that neither of the other two branches of government actually knew what was going on, because they were operating under the expectation that Hillary Clinton would win and that nobody would ever find out what they'd done. Mm-hmm.
0: Kimberly Strassel, are you able to hold on for one more segment? You bet. All right. The book is Resistance at All Costs, How Trump Haters Are Breaking America. Kimberly Strassel, you hear, she's brilliant. Don't forget, folks, you can go to Amazon directly or Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. We link, we link right there. Great gift, too, to inform other people about what's taking place. In a world that has lost its way, lost respect for logic, law, and American history. Who's defending you in Washington? Who speaks for conservatives? AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. That's who. AMAC gives its members valuable everyday benefits while boldly defending America's priceless constitution, sacred history, individual liberties, and basic moral compass. AMAC fights for border and national security, freedom of speech and religion, and values articulated by Reagan and Trump, like strong defense, limited government, lower taxes, and so forth. Hard to believe we're here, but we are. And AMAC is dedicated to remembering past sacrifices and preserving America's core values for the future. They oppose the rise of socialism and the Medicare-for-all push. If you're not an AMAC member, you really should be, because the next election is going to decide the nation's future. We will either be true to our noble past and principles or not. Sign up today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot We'll be right back. be back with Kim Strauss in a minute. It's enforced compliance season. Now, if you owe the IRS, you need to take action because the IRS can garnish your paycheck, seize your bank account, and put a lien on your home. Don't wait until it's too late. Call Optima Tax Relief while you still have options. They've resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for folks just like you. Optima steps between you and the IRS fighting on your behalf to help stop the demand letters and aggressive collection actions so you can get back to your life. No one's more skilled at solving tough IRS problems than Optima Tax Relief. Call now and ask about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. And if you qualify, you could save thousands. You deserve a fresh start. Call Optima now for your free consultation. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Some restrictions apply. Now, for complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. The book Is resistance at all costs how Trump haters are breaking America? Kimberly Strassel. You can get it at Amazon.com on my social sites, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. Kimberly, uh, Chapter 10, Crazy Horse. Now, what's interesting here is that the uh, House Judiciary Committee demanding confidential or secret grand jury information, underlying material in the Mueller report and so forth. Meanwhile, today the House Intelligence Committee is taking secret testimony, and they won't release the transcripts to the American people. How do they square that circle?
5: They won't release anything. I keep getting asked about this on media, and you know what my answer is, Mark? I'm not going to talk about it, because guess what? Until the Democrats actually release what they have done and allow the American people to see the so-called evidence that they have that would in any way rise to the level of supporting an impeachment of a president for high crimes and misdemeanors. I'm not even going to go there. Mm -hmm. We've had leaked narratives from them. We've had some opening statements, but as you know, they don't count for anything. What what we do know, here's what I keep reminding people, the original supposed crime – And I put that in quote marks is that Donald Trump supposedly went on the phone and said he was going to withheld aid until Ukraine handed over dirt on Joe Biden. We have the transcript that's not in there. Moreover, Ukraine has said that's not what happened. And they said they didn't even know there was a withholding of aid until a month afterward. And I keep reminding people, you cannot have a quid pro quo if the quid doesn't even know there was a quo.
0: No, that's absolutely right. You know, I had Senator Johnson of Wisconsin on my Fox show on Sunday, and he was in that May 23rd meeting with Mulvaney and the others. And he said, Trump mentioned, you know, that's a corrupt government over there, and he didn't want us to uh, waste our tax dollars. And also, he says, where the hell is Europe and Merkel? Why aren't they helping? He said, nothing else came up. Nothing else came up. And he said, and nobody will listen to him. He's a material fact witness. He was in the meeting. And then he says he spoke to Trump on August 31st on the phone when there was something about a possible deal going on. He wasn't clear what they were talking about. He called the president. He said the president was furious. He said, I wouldn't cut any deals. I'm concerned about them wasting the money. And I'm concerned, where's Merkel? And by the way, that's consistent with what the president always says.
5: Right. And we also have the exact same uh, evidence like for instance in the text messages from the EU ambassador, saying, you know, Donald Trump is not expecting a a quid pro quo here. It's not in the transcript. And I love how they say, well, it's implicit in the transcript. That is an admission that it's not in the transcript, okay? (laughs) When you have to go there, that means that you don't have the evidence that you're looking for. And what bothers me about this is the moving of the goalposts constantly by Democrats in the media. Now we're told, because they don't have the goods on this. They don't have the case for this. Now we're told, well, somehow it is an impeachable offense merely to ask about for help uh, from a foreign country to, for an investigation that we're doing into what happened in the 2016 election. And then you see them using weasel words, and I will use that phrase, saying, oh, you know, actually what was happening is that they were demanding an investigation into Democrats. no. Mm. They're demanding investigation into what happened in 2016. We just had Bob Mueller do a similar thing with regards to Russia for two years. They were all in favor of that. We deserve to know what role other countries played. And by the way, if it so happens that the evidence shows that Democrats had some central role in that, that's not investigating them. That's investigating what happened and then finding out their position in it.
0: Well, you've written a wonderful book, Resistance at All Costs, How Trump Haters Are Breaking America. Kimberly Strassel is my guest. She's the author. I want to strongly encourage Levinites. Go to Amazon.com directly if you happen to be out, any major bookstore. Also, when you're on my social sites throughout the night and in the morning, it's on Mark Levin show Facebook, Mark Levin's show Twitter. I want to thank you for what you're doing for the country, Kimberly Strassel. and God bless you, my friend.
5: Well, I thank you too, Mark, and thank you for
0: having me on. You be well. Get the book, folks. It's a terrific book, seriously. I want to salute all you heroes out there, and we'll see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves, and be well.
1: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.